The first general election gubernatorial debate, a new immigration attack, and ongoing Kavanaugh proceedings. This is the week of October 1st. Welcome to Grand Divisions. I'm Joel Ebert. I'm Joey Garrison. And I'm Natalie Allison. All right, Joey. So let's kick it off uh, very quickly here. Uh, We've got a new story that you came out with recently uh, about the Blackburn Papers. What the hell are the Blackburn Papers? (laughs) Yeah, so... Uh, Marsha Blackburn, she's a graduate of Mississippi State University, and since 2007, uh, she has had a a collection of her congressional papers, which includes records, uh, notes, memorabilia, various things that are are housed there. It's very common among politicians to do that uh, with places where they graduated from. Uh, So so a fellow named Mark Brown for the Tennessee Democratic Party has done various open records requests with the university to try to obtain these papers, obviously trying to do opposition opposition research for the opponent, et cetera, and, and has been denied by Mississippi State University. They've taken that. They appealed to a ethics commission. It's called the Mississippi Ethics Commission, I think. And anyways, there's a pending decision you know, waiting on the, the ethics commission. Hasn't ruled on this yet, but it looks like it, when they do uh, take this up, it's going to be probably be after the November election because they have not, they are not doing it. The next, the, the commission meets next on Friday, October the 5th, and they are not, it's, it's they say that uh, they've not been able to, I guess, I guess get it on, on there for, uh, in, in a timely way for that. So, what is in the Blackburn well, we papers I mean, that could concern, uh, I mean, who's, who's put up the opposition to it? Is it her congressional office or? Well, I mean, they say it's not a public record. I mean, okay. that's what the university says is that it doesn't constitute a public record and, and that it only becomes public either to uh, 10 years after she leaves office or 10 years after her death, whichever is first. Uh, so we're talking years away. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the, you know, I guess maybe the Democratic Party uh, sees it differently and is trying to obtain these. Uh, again, I don't know what, what's in the, the papers because it's not, you know, publicized right now. But you could imagine a, a political opponent would lo- love to sift through anything they can and, and that could perhaps pr- provide Democrats some material in a campaign. But again, um, there, the uh, Mississippi State had requested a delay in their response. Um, and it was because of the U.S. House of Representatives, uh, uh, the, the attorneys uh, for, on behalf of Blackburn, wanted to weigh in. Um, and, and they did late last week. But because of all that, it, it sort of delayed all this and... It, I think at the earliest it would be taken up on their November uh, election. I'm sorry, November meeting. Therefore, making this all probably a moot point with the November sixth election. While we don't know what's in the Blackburn papers, we do know what's in a new attack ad that Marsha Blackburn came out with uh, recently. It's essentially seizing on uh, the issue of immigration. Blackburn actually uses a, a soundbite from this podcast that uh, our colleague Emily West recorded uh, a couple months back where she interviewed uh, Phil Bredesen and he said uh, something along the lines of he doesn't support the wall, but you know it's actually a little bit more elaborate than uh, what the soundbite in the ad had. One part in the new ad, though, was uh, the citation of uh, a legislation two years or a year and a half before Phil Bredesen was in office. She's going after him for this driver's license uh, issue in which Don Sundquist's administration passed a, and, and got a, a, you know, enacted a law that essentially loosened the requirements to get 
a Tennessee driver's license. So that was kind of interesting uh, new development. And certainly Bredesen's folks have responded in kind to say that, you know, this is, this is, I think they, what did they call it? Pure swamp? Swamp scum or something? Yeah. Pure swamp scum. Yeah. But going back to your point, they referenced, uh, as you said, a, a Sunquist bill. Yeah. As a, but what, they just explain again to folks listening what the, the nuance of this issue with Bredesen, what did Bredesen do that the, Blackburn campaign is seizing on here. Well, uh, in the ad, it doesn't say this, but yeah. uh, Bredesen, when he came into office in, in 03 and 04, they tried to actually address this issue related to driver's license. At one point, uh, Bredesen's administration issues these driving certificates, which uh, kind of pulled back on the Sunquist legislation, gave these driving certificates largely due to uh, security concerns, people driving on the road, not having insurance, that sort of thing. By 2006, Seven, Bredesen entirely eliminated and repealed the original uh, legislation. So this was kind of, again, it's a very nuanced uh, issue. The fact that that Blackburn is seizing on this, clearly she thinks that Bredesen is vulnerable on this issue of immigration, whereas Bredesen's going to point out and has pointed out in this ad, I sent people to the border, you know, when, when George Bush asked, you know, I fixed this issue that your Republican governor who endorsed uh, you actually messed up. So it, it's an interesting battle. Back and forth. And as you um, said, they quickly, the Bredesen campaign quickly turned around a response. Very out, right? much. Or was it just a It was a, a digital ad? only okay, ad. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But again, they seized on sort of this term, uh, pond scum, that was used in 94, uh, calling it pure swamp scum. Uh, so it was interesting. If you haven't seen it, check it out. Natalie, one thing that we, we haven't heard uh, about too much is an issue that Marsha Blackburn's campaign brought up, or at least Blackburn did, at the gubernatorial, or at the first uh, Senate debate. Um, on sexual harassment in Phil Bredesen. What was what was that all about? Yeah, well, conservatives sort of initially uh, seized on this back in December when the Free Beacon in Washington wrote a story and they were referencing a series of investigative pieces from both the Tennessean and the Associated Press here in Tennessee uh, while Bredesen was governor. And in, in that series, that investigative series, they highlighted this practice in his administration in which Investigators were shredding their notes um, in investigations of sexual harassment claims within state government uh, involving political appointees. So they found that those investigations were being handled differently than maybe they were for other run-of-the-mill state employees, those who hadn't been appointed by the governor, and so on. So at the debate, at their first debate, uh, Blackburn slams Bredesen for that. She brings up that, you know, there these these documents with, you know, these women's allegations were, were shredded and and those women's claims died in that shredder and there was never any evidence of what took place and that um, that that he didn't handle these allegations appropriately. What was his response? And his response was that is a total mischaracterization of what we're doing. We were shredding these documents to protect these victims' identities from state public records laws so they didn't find their names in the paper. Um, and and to a certain degree, that was an effective strategy because we still don't actually know the name of a couple of At these the victims same time, who came forward. We also wouldn't publish any of their names. We also would I not do that. I know that for a fact. So. Absolutely, we also would not do that. Um, so he he responds to her saying that is a mischaracterization of what we're doing. We weren't trying to cover up uh, these scandals, but we were trying to protect the victims. And Blackburn maintains that you know you you guys weren't transparent with with your political appointees being the subject of these claims. It wouldn't be surprising if this issue continues to come up throughout the uh, the last month of the race. One issue that is not going away is the Brett Kavanaugh hearing. I mean, well, yeah. And the interesting part is this came up 
on a Kavanaugh question right after she right. pledges her support for Kavanaugh. She turns it around and says, oh, but yeah, you also shredded these documents. But it was right after she said, I, I stand by Brett Kavanaugh despite these allegations against so him. So, of course, the latest developments are that the FBI is now looking into credible claims. Uh, they've been given about a week on it. Um, you know, we've been asking uh, Phil Bredesen's campaign, what's the status? Is he ever going to say, uh, you know, does he support Kavanaugh or not? Joey, what did they tell us? Yeah, and again, his whole pitch has been that he's doing the homework. And sure. to, first he wanted to see all the hearings. And now uh, with the, the FBI investigation, he says he's going to wait, uh, y- you know, until then, uh, which I, I guess that'll be a one week uh, investigation into Kavanaugh. It, it, it the continually so, seems like it's one thing, though. We're going to delay. We're going to say. Yeah, next and day. I'll just read part of the statement here. Uh, regarding the allegations. He says, if the allegations have substance, any senator of either party should want to take them into consideration before deciding on a lifetime appointment to the Supreme Court. I would feel exactly the same if it were a a Democratic appointment uh, under consideration. And that was from his spokeswoman. Right. That wasn't Bredesen. That was uh, Bredesen's spokeswoman on Friday. And so, again, we talked about this last week on this show. I mean, I think that this issue politically is a very tough one for for Bredesen. I mean, I, I think in terms of whether you would buck Democrats here and say that you would support a Kavanaugh nomination, or you know, if he if he eventually says no, I, I would you know vote against him. Uh, then that gives more ammunition to the Blackburn campaign that Bredesen is another Democrat in the vein of of Chuck Schumer or whatever. So. I mean, don't you agree that this is sort of a, a tough one here? In terms yeah, absolutely. Of, yeah. I mean, it, it's one that is a sticky wicket uh, nationally, but I think given just how close this race is right now, I talked to a Republican lawmaker, state lawmaker today, who said this has just divided so many people in the state. And I, I think you're going to see uh, Democrats and Republicans fall on opposite sides. I don't know where the independents go on this issue, but uh, this it's a double-edged yeah, sword. Brother, for both whole candidates. message, you know, has been uh, you know pragmatism, nonpartisan type uh, pitch, and this is like the most partisan issue imaginable yep. right now. Yep. And so, just not a good one for politically here for him to have uh, six weeks out from uh, from election day. But you know, we'll see where it goes. And for for now, as you said, he still hasn't said uh, which way he would vote if he were in the United States Senate right now. All right. This episode, we've got two special guests. We've got uh, Tom Ingram, a longtime Republican strategist of the the Ingram Group, and Charles Robert Bone, uh, Democratic uh, uh, strategist and longtime Democrat here. Uh, Thanks for joining us today, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, well, today we're going to talk specifically about the the governor's race, and it seems like it's kind of taken a back seat uh, to the competitive U.S. Senate race uh, we have right now, given the national attention uh, that that has drawn. But Tom, why don't you uh, start things off? How are you kind of sizing up this race uh, right now, three weeks out from from early voting and a and a month before election day? You got two good candidates: Carl Dean, mayor, former mayor of Nashville; uh, Bill Lee, who won the Republican primary. Uh, in a big way, surprisingly, and uh, both have great reputations as executives. Both are uh, good candidates. Uh, I think you sized it up, saying it's uh, all the oxygen's being sucked out of this political season by the Senate race. And at the end of the day, you know, voters, I believe, are going to say, mm, we might be okay with either one of them, and that's good news for Bill Lee because of the Republican nature of the state. 
the polls have shown that, uh, you know, there's been a range of how, how far Lee is ahead. You know, there's been some that say he's up 20 percent. Some say it's uh, as narrow as nine. What do you guys think? Are, are those polls kind of accurate? Is that what you're seeing as well? I think it's a little early. I mean, most of those polls were done beginning to mid-September. I think a lot of people will start paying attention to the race starting tomorrow night, I think, is the, the first gubernatorial debate. Um, I think the challenge for both Carl and Bill is that they're largely unknown. Um, I mean, obviously, they both had the benefit of a primary. Uh, Carl had the benefit of having been mayor here for eight years, but that's really in Middle Tennessee. And so I think people are just now beginning to tune in and to look at them. Uh, I think the more recent polls that have shown this uh, in single digits is probably a reflection as to, to where the race is. But I think a lot of that could change. I think we're now in a window where people will begin to pay attention uh, now begin to realize that there is another race other than just the Senate race and that there are some issues other than just the national issues. Um, so I would, I would expect that those polls would change somewhat over the next couple of weeks. But, but it does seem like Bill Lee is, is slightly up right now. What, what does Carl Dean need to do uh, to sort of change that and, and, and you know, catch up? Does he need a, you know, do you think he needs to go on the attack more in this debate and try to flush out some differences? Or? Yeah, I mean, I think he's got to do a couple of things. One is um, he's got to continue to introduce himself to the voters, right? I mean, there is still a lot of people that don't know who he is or who Bill Lee is. Uh, he's got a really good opportunity there in that there is, if you look at polling, you look at cross tabs, there is a certain segment of the population who has said they're voting for Phil Bredesen. Uh, but that are either voting for Bill Lee or undecided. And so wh- whatever that point spread is, 10 to 12 points, I think, uh, is, is, a, is a target audience for Carl Dean. Uh, two, I think for him, uh, I, I, I think we all learned a lesson from the, the Republican primary about negative ads and maybe the way Tennessee responds to that. But certainly Carl can compare and contrast his record uh, to Bill Lee's and, and compare and contrast on the issues uh, as that relates to health care. That's obviously been a big issue, uh, education. Uh, and then Carl's obviously, I think, kind of the third piece of that is his experience uh, as that contrasts to Bill Lee. Not to say that Bill Lee doesn't have experience, but they have two totally different types of experiences. So I think that's Carl's yeah. opportunity here in the next couple of And this weeks. is going to be the first of three debates. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Tom, Carl Dean uh, has criticized Bill Lee for, for not joining him on, the, uh, on, on as many uh, joint appearances, various forums, uh, candidate forums that happen, uh, you know, throughout the campaign. What, what's your take been on that? And, and do you think that's normal for a, for a campaign like this? Well, that's or? what underdogs do yeah. uh, when they need more exposure. They'd rather appear together with the other candidate. Three debates is kind of traditional in this state between candidates, and uh, those are on the books. Uh, the problem with the debates is that uh, – both candidates will go into those debates uh, primarily determined to make no mistake. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, Carl may go in a little more aggressive, but uh, uh, Charles Roberts is exactly right. I mean, we learned a lesson in the primary about how Tennessee voters view negative advertising. It's got to be really good, well-done negative attacks, whether it's, whether it's in a debate format or whether it's in a commercial uh, format. What do you expect uh, Bill Lee's main points to be, uh, kind of his focus during this debate? I think it'll be what it's been, that he, uh, his life story, his, uh, his uh, commitment to serving the state, uh, his commitment to education, particularly uh, blue-collar education, uh, creating, uh, addressing the workforce, 
uh, his uh, his issues related to crime and recidivism and trying to put place in place programs that will uh, uh, return people from prison to to productive lives as opposed to right back to prison. Um, and uh, I think we'll hear the same things we've been hearing. I'm sure that, you know, on the other side, you're going to have uh, Carl Dean highlight his political experience, his experience in office, uh, and his opponent's lack of experience. I, he'll probably, uh, you know, kind of seize on that. And you guys know that the, the last two governors were mayors before they entered office. Prior to that, you had uh, McWhorter and Sunquist. They were in Congress. Uh, you know, should Tennesseans be worried about a, a candidate like Bill Lee, who literally could come in and face a, a great recession of epic proportions, and would he know what to do? Well, he's faced uh, uh, issues of epic proportions in his business and worked his way out of it to be one of the strongest businesses in, in Tennessee. Um, he's, he's a proven executive, and the job of governor is being an executive. Uh, now, Carl proved himself as Mayor Bill has proved himself in the private sector. It's better to be from the private sector these days in politics than from the inside. Uh, there's there there's a there's a there's a wave of emotion among voters that uh, uh, insiders haven't done a very good job, and uh, uh, I don't know that it's working so much in the governor's race as in some other races right now. But uh, the advantage generally goes to the outsider right now, not to the insider. And I, let me add to that. I mean, well, I think Bill Lee is a fantastically nice person and has had a lot of success with his family business. He's largely an unknown. I mean, you don't know how he would do as governor. Uh, could be worse, could be better. You look at Carl. Carl has eight years that was very much in the, in the public spectrum running a large city. Uh, doing so on a nonpartisan, bipartisan basis, which is kind of the the model of who Tennesseans have elected. I mean, you look at Phil Bredesen, you look at Bob Corker, um, it, it's kind of Bill Haslam. They, they came out of these mayoral backgrounds where you had to reach across partisan lines to be able to get some, some things done. But you also look, what's so interesting about Carl's time as mayor he had the experience of leading in some really difficult times, both the Great Recession uh, that, that we all went through as well as the flood um, that kind of added to that, and then at the same time had the opportunity to lead in, in, in some really good times of kind of economic expansion. But his mindset remained the same, which is let's continue to invest in Nashville, let's continue to take a chance, let's use economic development as a tool that produces dividends that you can invest in education, et cetera. So I think you would know the job that Carl Dean would do and both his approach to it that you can't say about Bill Lee. And that uh, messaging is very much messaging that's similar to, to Phil Bredesen's message, you know, pragmatic leadership, non-ideological. Non, non but why are we seeing, you know, the, the blackburn Bradison race very close, you know, Bradison even up maybe a couple points some polls would have, but we're seeing a, a gap, at least in polling, uh, in, the, in the governor's race. Well, Go ahead. well I, mean, I, I mean, Phil Bradison is a known, right? I mean, he, he has been on the statewide ballot three times. This is now his fourth time on a statewide ballot. And then he had eight years as governor where he traveled every part of the state, 
worked with Democrats and Republicans. People know Phil Bredesen. They, they know the job he did as governor. They know the approach to that job. So I think it's only natural that obviously Bredesen would have um, an advantage over a Carl Dean in terms of not just name recognition, but also saying, hey, I, I know who that person is, right? I mean, no, nobody is going to accuse other than Marsha Blackburn, mm-hmm. Phil Bredesen, of being some partisan hack. Well, well, well Bredesen's known as mayor. He's known as governor. Probably more importantly, he's spent millions of dollars uh, over the past year or so being on the air, reminding those who remembered him who he was and introducing himself to those who didn't remember him, who were many. His, his other advantage is he's running against a candidate who's never run statewide, who positives and negatives are about even, and who has been a polarizing figure. And she's an insider. Uh, Oddly enough, he's the outsider, even though he was mayor and governor. Mm -hmm. She's the insider from Congress. And that's created a dynamic and competitive race. Back to my original point about the governor's race, I think he got two good candidates, and I wouldn't disagree with any point uh, Charles Robert made about Carl's service as mayor. Um, I don't think the race is going to be won on experience. I think Carl's experience as mayor, Bill's experience as an executive in the private sector, wash out. I think that at the end of the day, uh, they actually both have great respect for each other <laughs> and, and and like each other personally. And at the end of the day, it's going to come down to, the, for good or bad, it comes down to the political makeup of this state right now. And if you've got two good candidates, the Republicans going to win 10 out of 10 times right now. Um, we can talk about the health of that for our politics, but but uh, that's just a state of of the of the pop, of the voting population in Tennessee right now, and so uh, Billy starts with a twelve to fifteen point advantage. Uh, we'll see what happens, but he almost has to make a mistake of significant proportions to give Carl a path through. And when you say significant proportions, are you talking about on the campaign trail? Or are you talking about in a debate setting? I'm saying it have to be a mistake, uh, like a it, Ford Corker Memphis meltdown kind of thing. Hey, or? Easy there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Sorry. Yeah, yeah, and and and, then, and the other and the uh, other campaign Ford would campaign. and Tom was with Corker. <laughs> right, that's true. And the other campaign would have to exploit it effectively mm-hmm. as the Corker campaign did. Uh, uh, I mean, that's a whole other podcast someday. But, um, <laughs> but I guess some people are getting polled saying that they're voting for Bredesen, but voting for Bill Lee. I mean, there's this – and who are those voters? It well, seems to me like that's the uh, voter that uh, Carl needs to well, target you, here. Well, I, I, we need to think about that because the 10 15 percent of people who are going to vote for Bredesen and Lee uh, are probably mostly flexible Republicans and, Republic- and Democratic-leaning Independence uh, or Republican leaning independence because most of the independents now are Republican leaning uh, in Tennessee. So I'm not sure that's a target audience for for uh, for for Carl. Um, he's got to he's got to give votes wherever he can get them, but that 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 may be that maybe not be the most ripe target. Yeah. Well, which also underscores another opportunity that both Carl and Phil have is for the first time that. I've been involved on a non-presidential year, at least on the Democratic side, 
especially kind of the, your progressive voters that might only come out in a presidential year election. This does have a feel of a presidential year election because of everything going on in Washington. Probably the Kavanaugh hearings have exacerbated that to some extent. But for 12 years since that Ford-Corker race, Democrats haven't had the, the money the investment and the attention and organization to do a true get-out-the-vote effort that's really organized, that's really well done. They do this time because you've got two really credible, well-thought-of candidates at the top of the ticket that are both well-funded and the national money coming in to help Bredesen. So for the first time, at least on the the energy and the organization of a turnout, the Democrats are going to be on par with the Republicans. Yeah, and for either Bredesen or Dean <clears throat> to be successful, they got to have huge turnouts in Nashville that's right. Memphis, right? I mean... Well, they got to have good turnouts uh, in different parts of the state, yeah. depending on uh, depending on the Democrat, uh, the political demographics of those 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 uh, places. Um, Tennessee is different. Uh, everything uh, I agree with everything Charles Robert just said on a national level. Uh, Tennessee is still a bit of an aberration in the national political scene. It's still a Trump state. Uh, it's still a very Republican state. It's still a very conservative state. And again, we can talk another time about the health of all of that for our politics, but that is the political reality of this race, uh, which ha- is, a, is a huge advantage to a Republican candidate who's viewed as a good candidate and in, in, um, uh, not, com- not currently in a competitive situation. There hasn't been a whole lot of discussion throughout, you know, either the primary or the general on some of these issues for the governor's race. But one of the big ones that Carl Dean's trying to point out is the difference on on Medicaid expansion that, you know, he says, uh, obviously, his opponent is against it. Bill Lee has said he's favoring more of a reform of the entire health care system and even uh, favors a block grant system with the federal government. Do you see that that issue alone being big enough to kind of change the, the, the race entirely? I think it's not a good issue for this campaign. Um, Medicare expansion uh, takes one of two forms. It takes the federal government coming in here with dollars, or it takes the state and the federal government figuring out a different way to do it. Um, both candidates care about the people who are affected by Medicare expansion. Um Carl is for the federal solution. Bill is for the state-slash-federal solution. Uh, he has Phil Bredesen's own experience as governor getting caught up in the the, the pitfalls of the federal model uh, and having to take people off the rolls to point to. So I think it's actually, while it's a very valid issue and one that the next governor should be concerned about, I don't think it's a good campaign issue. And this is one place I would disagree with Tom. I mean, especially as you go to these rural areas, we've now had nine hospitals that have closed, uh, largely if not solely um, but because of the failure to expand Medicare. Uh, you had Governor Haslam who, who, who tried to do this. Um, and for Democrats, from a political standpoint, it's one of the few times in my lifetime that you have an issue that is really important to your base but also is not offensive to those in the middle, right? They also view it through two different lenses. You've got the economic development prism of this, as well as what's the right thing to do. But I think as some of the more recent advertising has pointed out, I mean, we're losing $4 million a day. More importantly, Tennesseans are subsidizing health care for people in California and, and, and Massachusetts of all places, right? So we're using our tax dollars to support health care in those states and not getting the advantage, not getting the benefit of that. And when you 
talk about it in those terms, people that even may not identify as a Democrat say, that doesn't seem right. Yeah, and it polls well generically, but do we have, you know, any examples in Tennessee where, you know, Republicans who opposed it at the state level, you know, faced any kind of backlash at the polls? I don't know if we do. I mean, as well, can you and, and and Billy's not opposing Medicare right, expansion. Right. He's proposing a different way other than the federal model, yeah. which became a huge problem for Phil Bredesen and he had to go in there and take people off the rolls. And yes, hospitals are closing, but they're closing as much because of a biased Medicare wage index reimbursement formula as they are the issue of, quote, Medicare expansion. As you look at this race, how does it compare to the 2010, you know, election between uh, either the primary, the general? Do you see any similarities, differences that are notable? Uh, No, it was a good, it was a tough primary uh, with, uh, with four qualified candidates on the Republican side, it was uh, that 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 brought a lot of attention and a lot of name ID at the end of the day to the winner, Bill Lee. Uh, he beat three people who were much better known. He came from nowhere. He won by twelve or thirteen points, um, and um, spent enough money on TV, but not you know it wasn't extravagant about it. So it was a it was a good primary for him. Um, Carl and Craig Fitzhugh, you know, both credible candidates as well, but a lackluster, low-profile primary that really didn't do much for either one of them in terms of building ID. Uh, the, uh, uh, the, you know, 10, uh, we were becoming that Republican state. We've become even more, and... Um, I mean, I would argue this is a much more competitive race than 2010. I mean, wouldn't you? Wouldn't yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, especially take the Democratic side. I mean, he referred to it as lackluster. But at the same time, I mean, one of the reasons it was lackluster, Craig Fitzhugh is a terrific guy, has been a fantastic state legislator, is one of the best people that you'll find in politics. Didn't have money, though. He didn't have money. He put in some of his own and raised enough. But it goes to show, you know, Carl had a brand, Right. He had a brand and a reputation having been mayor. And he, even in some other parts of the state where there is a, it, maybe not a jealousy towards Nashville and Middle Tennessee, you've got to walk a fine line there. But there also is a curiosity. They want to know how that happened and how that worked. And so Carl goes to some of these other places and they do want to hear his story. They do want to hear the Nashville story. And that did help him raise money across the state and he, he will he has raised more money than any Democrat running for statewide office since 2006 but the data would confirm <laughs> that he, he, he that primary didn't do a lot for his ID um, and that's critical ingredient ultimately in a campaign um, especially now that the governor's race the general race isn't you know drawing the <laughs> the the attention that the Senate race is. And I I would agree that this is a competitive race in terms of the credentials and the quality of the candidates. It's not, at this point, it's not as competitive politically because of the makeup of the state. And I was hoping you would ask Tom for some references from the 70s and 80s so I could say (laughs) he's been doing this longer than I've been alive. (laughs) 
that's another episode. You gave me no opening for that. That's probably true. But I got to be nice. He was my right here, so I got to be really nice to it. So I get true. They did come together. That's right. We're we're by. I'm I'm actually a mugwump, and I go either way. And I I actually had the honor of helping Charles Robert in his mayoral race, and was proud of it. Tom and I spent a lot of time together. I was going to bring that up, but you know we we won't go further. Well, gentlemen, that's all the time we have today. But we really appreciate you coming on and and talking this through. And I'm sure we're going to tune in with you. Uh, as the elections get near. So uh, appreciate you coming on. Thanks again. Thank yeah, you. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. All right. Joining us today is Michael Sances, a, an assistant professor of political science at the University of Memphis. Uh, the university is co-sponsoring the first gubernatorial debate between Bill Lee and Carl Dean that uh, USA Today Network is also a, a part of. So thanks for joining us today. It's great to be with you. So first off, you know, tell me um, a little bit about what you think we might be able to expect out of this debate. Obviously, the the, the race for governor uh, has kind of fallen uh, by the wayside because of the Senate race, but it's nonetheless just as important to Tennesseans, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, you could easily argue it's more important when you think about um, all the important state legislation that gets passed um, that has a direct impact on people's lives. Um, but that, you know, it's just one of those things about American politics that everyone kind of admits that the state and local races or, or issues have more impact, and yet we also pay more attention to the national races, which totally makes sense. I mean, there's a lot on the line there as well, and it could even be control of the entire Senate could hinge on a couple of seats. Um, but obviously, you know, obviously there's so many issues that uh, the governor, more than the uh, more than whoever our, our next senator will be, is going to have influence over, including health care, including education, including um, corrections and public safety. And so they're both really important races, and so people should pay attention to both. I, I anticipate Carl Dean kind of touting his, his experience while mayor uh, and pointing out the difference between him and his opponent, Bill Lee, who had no political experience. And I'm sure Lee will try and use that as an opportunity to say, no, that's right, I don't have experience. I'm not entrenched in any political system. What are you kind of looking for in this debate on, on Monday or on Tuesday? I'm sorry. Yeah, no, that's going to be interesting, really interesting to see. Does Carl Dean try to use that to his advantage, or um, or does he sort of shy away from that? Both of them are, are where they are. I mean, I think Billy won the primary largely because he sold himself as the outsider, as kind of the independent uh, business person, not from certainly not from Washington, hasn't served in office before. And I think when you look at who can win statewide in Tennessee, a person like that has a really good advantage. At the same time, there is still uh, some room for growth, I'm sure, for Carl Dean, or at least he's hoping that there is. Um, several polls have shown that the, the gap is anywhere from nine uh, percentage points to as many as 20. Do you think Carl Dean needs to go down this this avenue of you know saying, uh, things that, you know, not just drawing the distinction between him and Bill Lee, but to say uh, what Bill Lee may do is is dangerous if, if he's, you know, at the helm? Or do you think Bill Lee needs to say, oh, Carl Dean's going to take us uh, in this Hillary Clinton, you know, liberal direction? And, and, you know, do you think we'll see any of that? Yeah, I mean, there'll probably be some of that. Um, again, it's just this question of how much it's going to um, stick. I mean, one thing that's going to be really interesting to see is that they both have, I mean, when you look at a lot of issues, they do actually have some pretty, pretty big differences. 
And one that Carl Dean has tried to highlight a lot is the, the issue of the Medicaid expansion under yeah. the Affordable Care Act, or you know, Obamacare as most of us know it. And so that's an issue where Dean is clearly on one side. He says he wants to expand Medicaid. He's making a fiscal argument about how we're sort of throwing money away by not doing it. And Bill Lee is, is you know, starkly on the other side saying that, you know, it's, it's fiscally a bad idea to do, that it's, a, you know, it's part of a overall health care law that doesn't work and that comes from Washington. Um, so I'm, I'm going to be really interested to see how they talk about the Medicaid expansion um, and how they, you know, contrast the different positions. I mean, on one hand, that is an issue that, um, in, even in Tennessee, I mean, a lot of people are, you know, in general, Medicaid is hugely popular. And, and even in Tennessee, when you tell people or ask them about the issue of Medicaid expansion, you know, they'll say that you know, the majority will say they're in favor of it. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how, um, you know, how Bill Lee talks about that. You know, can he sort of make the case that it's maybe not a good idea? Um, will voters re- Will voters be receptive to that, that idea? But, yeah, I think, I think that's going to be one issue where you hear um, Carl Dean maybe being accused of being too liberal by, you know, supporting, uh, basically supporting a, a big part of Obamacare. As we wrap up, thanks again to Michael Sansis, Assistant Professor of Political Science at the University of Memphis. Great to talk to you. Thanks. As we wrap up the show, we'll delve right into our notebook dump, as we've been calling it. This week, Donald Trump is back in Tennessee for a campaign fund- fundraiser and campaign-style rally uh, for Marsha Blackburn. Uh, that's going to be in Johnson City. We're going to have a little bit of wrap-up on that in our special uh, issue or episode later this week when we recap the uh, the gubernatorial debate as well as uh, talk a little bit about the, the Trump rally. Uh, at the same time, Bredesen is also going to have what he's calling an ideas forum in Chattanooga, uh, which was supposed to be a location for a debate between Blackburn and Bredesen. The Supreme Court of the United States this week declined to hear a challenge to Tennessee's Amendment 1, which was the 2014 ballot measure that eliminated the right to an abortion from the state constitution. That ballot measure then allowed lawmakers to enact stricter abortion measures in the state. And looking ahead, uh, politicos in Nashville might be interested to know that Bob Woodward, a renowned uh, reporter for the Washington Post and author of Fear, right? That's what it's called, Fear, the new uh, Donald Trump book. Uh, He will be speaking at uh, Nashville's War Memorial Auditorium on February 10th. That's a new nugget we just learned. Last week, a new political action committee in the state called Enough is Enough formed. Um, Sherry Jones, state lawmaker who is uh, no longer going to be in office after uh, November, she is the head of it. Essentially, their their goal is to go after lawmakers who have uh, allegations of sexual misconduct or or misdeeds. Their first target is uh, state representative uh, David Byrd, who faces allegations of inappropriately uh, touching or having sexual uh, misconduct uh, dating back decades when he was a high school uh, sports coach and, and uh, had some students 
he allegedly inappropriately touched back in high school. And finally, uh, the farm bill, um, the, the bill that has been uh, on everybody's mind, at least as in terms of the farming community here in Tennessee, expired on Sunday. Um, yet again, there was not a new one. They are going to have to work until later this year, apparently, uh, and the federal level to uh, come up with a new one. So we will continue to monitor that, and it wouldn't shock me if uh, – that continues to come up in the U.S. Senate debate or at least the uh, issues that the next senator has to face. As we wrap up here, a couple programming notes. Uh, of course, we're going to have a special edition here the day after uh, the gubernatorial uh, debate here. So that should be Wednesday. We'll, Natalie and I are going to wrap up what was said, what uh, what might not have been said, as well as talk a little bit about this Trump rally. Um, and if you are looking ahead, uh, early voting starts on October 17th. The week before that is the voter registration deadline. Uh, that is October 9th. So stay tuned. Uh, we will see you either next week or in a couple of days. Thanks again for listening to Grand Divisions. I'm Joel Ebert. I'm Joey Garrison. And I'm Natalie Allison. We'll see you next time.